Hi, my name is Sylvia Mack and my greatest fear is open, deep, dark waters and talking to an audience. Hello and welcome to Fear Itself with me, Cressida Bonus. In this podcast, I'll be asking people from all walks of life about fear, how it limits them, how it motivates them, how they face it, and what you can learn about yourself and the world around you from your fear. My guest this week is Sylvia Mack, childburn survivor and founder of Love Disfigure. Sylvia endured third and fourth degree burns across her body as a result of an accident when she was just three years old. The experience and her gruelling treatment left her traumatised, suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and depression in later life as well as suicidal thoughts. Finding there was no online support for burn survivors, Sylvia created Love Disfigure, a campaign to raise awareness and support for those living with disfigurement and differences. Through the campaign, she revealed a video that showed her scars and her story about the accident, with others being encouraged to do the same. She has since been actively campaigning for people with visible and hidden differences to become accepted in society. She has received a Point of Light Award for her voluntary services from Theresa May. Sylvia says her life is dedicated to making a difference. Her incredible story has touched hearts, inspired and helped many. When asked what she thinks makes a woman fabulous and fearless, she says, when women put themselves out there to lead the way for others. Hello, Sylvia. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) You really are helping to change attitudes towards body image and really by leading the way for others, like I said in my intro, from your own personal experience. Can you tell us about that time when you were younger and how old you were? Yeah, Um, so I was two years and seven months and um, I was basically playing around with my other siblings, um, a game of hide and seek in the flat where we lived at the time. And um, it was very cramped conditions. Um, My parents really worked hard, like we didn't have much money. So it was really like a difficult situation that we lived in we had lots of power cuts and um so my mum often boiled pots of water so that we can all bathe because <laughs> there was five of us and I was a, I was the youngest so I used to get the, you know the bath that was full up with all the <laughs> everyone else's scum in the bath <laughs> um, and um so basically my mum was boiling these pots of water and she put it into the um the bowl and put it on the bathroom floor and um when she said you know don't go in there for a two and a half year old to be told not to go somewhere it's literally like right, I'm going to go in there. (laughs) That's a great place to hide. And so I went into the bathroom and hid behind the bathroom door. Um, And my sister eventually found me and I was stood very close to the bathroom floor with a bowl of the boiling water on the floor behind me. And she pushed the door and I fell backwards into the the bowl. Um, And it caused third and fourth degree burns to my body um, but at that point and at that time I don't really I don't have any recollection of what happened um, it's just what I've been told from my my family um, I just really have 
uh, memories of being in hospital. Mm. And being that young, it must have been such a difficult and traumatic thing to process. So when you found out that you were burnt, how did you, do you remember how you responded to that? Um, I think because I was so young and I spent quite a lot of time visiting the hospital and having lots of surgery and meeting lots of really nice consultants that were so nice and and having a very loving mother and father who um, they were both very different. My dad was a very like strong man that, you know, said, you know, there's always people worse off than you and um, and don't forget that. And that was something that I always sort of had lodged in my memory. Um, and then my mum was the loving, comforting, always by my side, no matter what, you know, type of mother. Because I think she, she kind of felt guilty because of what had happened. She felt it was her fault. Um, so it wasn't until probably when I was about the age of eight or nine when I began swimming at the local swimming club that it really dawned on me that this is going to be a problem and it's not accepted um so yeah probably around the the ages of eight and nine that I really Mm. really started to think about it and at school what was that what was that time like for you Primary school, I didn't really spend much time um, just because I was spending a lot of time in the hospital and going back and forth. Um, My scars were so deep that they left a hole in my back. So they had to keep skin grafting my body and building up that hole. Um, So what they'll do, they'd like take loads of skin off and freeze it. So every time I went back, they'd have this frozen skin to layer onto my back. Probably the most difficult time was probably secondary school. And um, and when I went into secondary, my very first day in secondary school um, was my worst day. We were told to bring in the full PE kit, which included a towel. Um, And I didn't understand why I had to have a towel because I I wasn't going to shower, no way. And um, I went in and we we done PE, actually our very first lesson. And we played hockey and we were very sweaty and <laughs> as girls do. <laughs> and um, the teacher said, you're all going to have a shower and you're going to have a shower too. Like, you know. And I was like, no, I'm not having a shower. I'm not going to shower. I was really, you know, s- sort of stood up to her and said, there's no way. But she didn't know that I had scars. And I couldn't say to an adult, I've got scars on my body. I can't do this. There was no, that wasn't going to come out of my mouth because I still have that memory of my dad telling me people worse off than you. So you, you're not going to say anything. And, um, and she just said, right, you all have to line up and you're going to go into the shower. And so I had to, I had to get changed and put my towel around me. And um, she kind of like pushed us down the line, you know, every five seconds, someone would be pushed into a shower and she just got my towel and pulled it off of me and pushed me into the shower. And it was that moment from there to the shower and then coming back out and grabbing the towel. Um, I don't even know if she knew at the time that I was even noticed that I had scars, but it really hit me. And it was after that that I was afraid that I noticed people weren't really, which other children weren't really talking to me. And I began to wonder if it was because of my scars. Mm. Um, but I was so upset and uh, 
That experience of school can be so different for so many people, depending about, you know, what you've been through and if you, you know, are a bit different or something on your body is different. I think children can sometimes find that very difficult to accept. And I think that's one of the things why what you have done in your journey is so inspiring, because it's teaching so other people can have more awareness about it. Just speaking about the, the water in the shower, do you think this is where your fear of the deep, dark water came from? Yeah, I, I believe so, because I, I spent um, quite a lot of time having nightmares, and those nightmares were always um, based around being in the sea, being in any type of deep, dark water. And I was always just in the middle of the, like in the sea and nobody was around and and it was scary. And and I often woke up crying and I often woke up and even up to the age of 16, I was bedwetting. Um, And so it was just, I don't know if it was to do with me dreaming or having nightmares of being in water, but that that happens. But I later found out that um, people that have burn scars often may or may often bed wet for quite a long age. So I don't know if it's oh, really yeah. And was there a shift then? You know, how did you how did you find relationships going forward after school? Um really difficult, really difficult. Um because I noticed that um because I was quite a pretty young girl and, and there was a lot of attention on me and um friends would often say you know this boy likes you and and all of that kind of thing so it started from secondary school like the attention and I um I was always like no no not me you know I I wouldn't accept it and um I was very good at just saying I'm not interested or that's not that's no it must be you you know (laughs) Um, until one day um, I had a moment where uh, um, one of my friend's cousins actually really liked me and he decided to walk me across the park, walk me home one day and he tried to kiss me (laughs) and I absolutely went mad and um, I remember I just ran off crying. (laughs) I was like, no. Um, So it was really, really difficult. but. Eventually I did date, but that was even, that that was very, it was almost like, you can't touch me, um, you can't even kiss me. And it wasn't until when I was probably around the age of 16, 17, that I started to have, you know, more deeper relationships. But it was only because the person that I met didn't mind the fact that I had scars and I had to say and it was always one of those things that if if I wanted to get into a relationship and I really liked someone I had to sit them down and and tell them that I've got this thing on my body and Mm. you know are they going to accept it or not and most of the time they'll just get up and run you know they they they'll just say oh yeah and then that would be I'll probably never see them again and and that was really difficult for for a, a, a young girl you know that's trying to to form relationships and and um and it was then kind of like hearing the bullies in the back of my head saying 
you know, you're never going to get married, you're never going to have a boyfriend, you, no one's going to love you. And all of that kind of was always there. And I was always worried about that. And I just felt so alone at times. And it wasn't even that I didn't have anyone to love or comfort me. I had my family, they were great and they've always been great. And this is the thing, and this is what people have to understand that no matter how much love and comfort you have from your family, um, it, you just still need something more. And mm. it's so difficult for them to try and find out what's going on, you know, in my head. Or And mm. I just couldn't open up and tell them. I, I couldn't even understand who I was, you know, in this, this crazy realm. Because I suppose you're so lonely with the with the with the feelings and the experience that no one else, no matter how close they are to you, can understand what you've been through. So I can imagine it to be quite a lonely space. Was there a moment when you made a, you know, was there just a specific time where you thought something must be done, people need to be more aware and more conscious about this? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think about it, to to be honest. Like, I think I was really spending time um, on my own, um at home locking myself away in my room and really trying to figure out and look online to see if there was any help out there for me um as a burn survivor or as someone that has got a disfigurement on their body and I just could not find anything and I found it so strange that I've heard this so many times before that you can go on the internet and you can find help and there was no help for for me um, and I thought, I, this can't be right. You know, I've lived a life of, of depression and suicidal thoughts and low self-esteem just because I felt that there's no um, no representation of, of a body like mine. And it was so difficult, you know, moving forward and trying to, trying to find that. And because I don't find that... Um, I think in the back of my head, I decided that there was going to be a time that I need to be the person to step forward and say, right, this is this is it. I need to do this. Um, and so it was the same year that I was desperately looking for help. I happened to go on holiday with my mum and um, I never wear bikinis, but I had a bikini that my sister had given me um, and I had a wrap, like a wrap dress and I wore the bikini under the wrap dress and I just let it down a little bit and I noticed that there was somebody with their camera phone behind me and I just got so upset and and all I could think was that he's going to put me on YouTube and I'm the ugliest person in the world. Like I just really didn't like myself at all um, as a person as well because I felt like I just wasn't a nice person either. Um, and then after that, we we decided to go to the beach, and it was while we were we were on the beach. Uh, my mum was asking me so many questions about my scars, and I thought this isn't right. Like she shouldn't be feeling this way. I can see that she is really upset and sad about the way that my body, the way that I'm feeling about my body, and it shouldn't be like this. She's, you know, she's not as young as she used to be Mm. and um so I made a decision that day to try and lift her guilt however way I could and it it, and it wasn't about me it was about her 
Um, and because I did that for her, something lifted on me as well. And I managed to walk away from there, from that holiday, saying, I need to do something. And I'm not going to let this stop now. I really, I feel like I'm the person that needs to make a change and needs to help others. So it was from that moment um, that I was just like, hey, I'm in my bikini. I don't care what people think of me. And um, I could see my mum was really happy to see that I was embracing my body and my scars. And we just had a great holiday. And, um, yeah, and I come back and I set up Love This Figure. But yeah. it wasn't as easy as that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I bet. I bet. I, I look at you when you're saying that these, these things. I, you're just this sort of radiant being on Zoom. And I hate that you say these things. I, didn't, I know you don't feel this now, but... You're sort of this wonderful person. So Love Disfigure, you've met and are and obviously still meeting lots of people that have been through um, similar experiences. Is there one person in particular that has really inspired you or their story has really inspired you? Yeah, probably um, Kizzy. She is, I know she won't mind me saying her name. Um, she's a burn survivor. She's got, I think, 90 three percent or 97 percent burns to her her body so her face and her body and um yeah she's really she's really inspired me because she managed to change her life um just from a photo shoot that we done one day and then after that you know she was we were doing you know all these power walks and stuff Mm. out on the streets of London in our bikinis (laughs) and in our underwear and she every time that we did it she wanted to join in and I love that about her and she's you know she's really got her life back on track now um I wouldn't say that what I do is going to help somebody mentally um change their life um but they can really learn to embrace their body and if if they can continue to get help from that um I think there'll be no looking back for them um Mm. but it's just unfortunate at the moment that there still needs to be more help out there and there there really isn't there really isn't and do you think one of the reasons is because society that sends messages through you know advertising and bad kind of idealistic a warped way of how young girls should look and actually that's completely wrong oh yeah 100 percent um yeah I mean when I was growing up I I used to religiously read magazines um you know like celebrity magazines and that really damaged me even more because then I thought well how can I ever be something brilliant in life or how can I be a model or how can I how am I going to fit into society so yeah I definitely feel like um there's so many young people out there that just want to change their bodies and change the way they look because of what they see and 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 just not having enough representation of different bodies Mm. um regardless of whether they've got scars or marks or you know skin conditions that's why these photo shoots that you do which I've seen on your website is so is 
fantastic. And Sylvia, this the, the, the sphere of deep dark water. I just I know we talked about a bit about it, but wants to just go back to it. So how did you overcome it? Because I know you have swam the Bosphorus in Turkey, which I just don't know how you did, especially with your fear. It's, it's a notoriously difficult swim. But how did you do that? And how did you yeah, overcome this fear? <laughs> so um, I met a, a guy about two to three years ago, Professor Greg White, and um, just through actually through Sharon Davis, who I, I met on Twitter. So I met up with the wonderful Sharon Davis and she put me onto Greg and <clears throat> she said, your name's a wonderful person. He, go and meet him because I said, look, I really want to do a challenge and this challenge is going to hopefully help others be able to, to go on to do brilliant things in their life and just let them know that you can suffer with severe depression <clears throat> pretty much all your life, but most people that suffer with severe depression like I did, you feel like you're, there's never going to be a way out. But I want to show that there is, you know, like no matter how much you're suffering, you can still do wonderful things. So that was one of the reasons I did the challenge. And also the fact that I was scared of deep, dark water and it was something that I had years of nightmares. And um, so I said to, met with Greg and I said to him, I really want to do a challenge. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, thinking of maybe swimming the channel and he said not a good idea because <laughs> he took he took David Williams across the channel and and he didn't really want to really want to get involved in doing that again um and then he said look I'll have a think um and then a year after that I went back to him again and said come on like I really need to do something and he said all right okay well I'm setting up this series called extraordinary people that's going to be filmed and um, leave it with me and we'll find a challenge for you so I, I had to pick um, the challenge and I thought you know the Bosphorus is probably one of the harder ones and I'll go with that um, so we went out to, to Turkey and it was all filmed um, by the wonderful Ben Hull and um, whilst out there it was like after training for almost six months, it was like, oh, no, am I actually going to go in there? Because um, the stream of waters, the channel of waters um, have like oh, like ferries and tankers going up and down it. And um, so you get to see all that like the day before you actually swim. And I was a bit like, oh, gosh, this is scary. Although they remove all of that just for the swimmers for about up to four hours, four to five hours. And then the mayor says, you know, let all the tankers back in. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it was really scary just like seeing that. And I was very quiet and Greg noticed that I was very quiet and I wasn't talking very much. And um, he actually mentioned it, that he felt that my nerves were really kicking in. <laughs> so um, actually on the day, we were taken up over to the Asia side on a ferry. And the whole time, I don't think I even spoke to him. And um, all I could think in my head was, I can't, I don't think I can do this. And um, it was from the moment that we got to the edge of this big floating device, we had to jump in the water. And then you have to swim as fast as you can to the middle of the water because you've got all these currents that will just hold you back. So you need to really swim your hardest. And once you're in that stream of water, it kind of helps you a little bit go upstream over to where you need to get to. <laughs> and um, so 
the minute I got in, all I can remember was, and I, and it probably didn't happen, but I felt like I was going down and down and down, and I still recall it in my head, and I felt like I wasn't coming up, and I'm trying to come up, and I just couldn't. Um, and there's so many hundreds, probably thousands of people swimming that it's just like constantly they're jumping in, jumping in. So you have to swim as fast as you can. And then you've got all these people swimming over the top of you, like the faster swimmers. So it was really difficult. And I remember even saying to Greg, I can't do it from the beginning. <laughs> and he's like, you can, you can. But, you know, thankfully I had Greg with me to, to really encourage me and support me throughout. I was probably an absolute pain in the bottom because <laughs> I didn't stop complaining and saying, I can't do this. I'd stop and say, you know, oh, I've got, you know, pain in my chest. I can't breathe. You know, all that I've got cramp. And he was just like, come on, you got this. He was such a powerhouse. Like he just really encourages. And um, and yeah, we did it. And I remember like just getting to the end, I remember being told that. If you carry on in the stream of water, you get pulled straight out into the Turkish Sea. So you need to like basically get to a point and start fighting your way back out of that current um, to get over to, to the, the finish line. And um, at that moment, he said to me, OK, we're going to have to push really hard now. And I was like, OK, so I started swimming and I felt like I'd been swimming for like 10 minutes. And then I looked up and I looked at him and he said, yeah, I think you're going to have to push a little bit harder than that because we were stuck in a current, not going anywhere. It was literally just keeping us in one spot. Um, and, yeah, we, we swam across and I hit this platform. And I remember, remember I couldn't even get out. I couldn't even climb out because I suffer as well with my back. And um, I was literally like, Greg, push me out. <laughs> just push me out. And he's like, no, you've got to do it yourself. Um, Thank when I got out, I just cried. I cried. I was so happy. Um, you know, I wasn't sad. I was just, it was just the emotion. It it just hit me. Mm. And, and we've got pictures of it and you can, you can see how much, you know. I can imagine so overwhelming. But also when you finished, you must have thought, wow, I did that. Yeah, yeah. I can't believe it. I honestly, I honestly can't believe it. Because, um, yeah. From the start, I, I just kept thinking about how to give up. And in my head, I kept thinking, no, you're doing this for your family, everyone, all your followers, all the people that look up to you. You really need to do this. And so it was that that just kept me going. And even like really silly things, like while I was swimming, um, you know, the water was so clear, you can see like fish and jellyfish. I just kept thinking about finding Nemo. <laughs> I love finding Nemo. And he got me through. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Dory. <laughs> yeah. What does she say? Just keep swimming. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and it. Sylvia, so now, so you had this fear of deep, dark, dark water, and now you, you say you do have a fear of speaking to an audience, which I yeah. feel a lot of people have. Yeah. And there is a story about when you dropped a presentation in a bin. What was so, that? I think I was in my 30s and and I thought, you know, <clears throat> now's a good time for me to try and do something with my life, maybe start a business. I don't even know what I wanted to do. But I know that I was um, teaching swimming at the time 
um, to, to young children and to special needs children. And, um, and I loved it. I loved being with children. I just wasn't very good at being around adults. So when I took on this course and um, got in as a mature student, <laughs> it, it was like, OK, you're going to do a presentation. and This is what it's about. And I worked so hard to to put this presentation together. And I knew it was good. I knew it was a good presentation. I was pleased with it. And I remember I got to the university that day and I just froze and next to me was was a bin. And I kept thinking, there was probably about eight people in my class. There wasn't many people. It was just a very small room. And I just thought, I always put myself below everyone. And I thought, all of them are better than me. I can't do this. And it was just like, how I spent my life almost like I don't know if you've ever seen the film I can't can't remember what the film was but the guy's got like a devil on one shoulder and and like the angel on the other telling him oh yeah I do what is that film called I know that I know the film you mean yeah and and so I kind of felt like that you know I always had like this negative um person like in my ear and then sometimes I'd have like this good person telling me good things so that day it was so it was just like you can't do this no way and um I pulled it out of my bag and I just dumped it straight in the bin turned around and walked off and that's pretty much how I was living my life it was just a bit like it, it was it was almost like um sometimes I'd go to um job interviews and I'd just stand outside I'd go across the road probably have a, a coffee and then go home and say, yeah, the interview went really well, but I just didn't have the confidence to, to like, talk to anyone that was better than me or what I thought was better than me. I'd, I'd kind of talk myself into to not continuing at university and that I wasn't good enough, and all that stemmed from what I'd been through. Mm. But now you're an inspirational speaker who talks to people in government, so you have triumphed over so much adversity. How did you overcome that? Just because, um, like, originally I'd done this uh, video reveal, uh, which is on my website, and and when I look back at it, actually sometimes I don't even look back at it because when I do it, I'm a bit like, is that me? Like, I can't recognise myself, like, because I, I was so afraid and it was a really difficult thing for me to do this reveal talking and and you can see I'm so emotional in it and I cry a lot and and I, I just can't believe that 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 was the person that I was all those years ago I think that's what it was really learning to change my mindset mm. so knock that little devil off the shoulder <laughs> and, and be really positive about everything that I do um even if it's a talk and I might not think that I'm good enough to do it. Um, now I'll just channel my like energy on it and just be like, you've got this, you you know, you, you've got this, you can do this. I like that. You've got this, you've got this. And you do have children now. And what do you, through all your experience and everything you've been through, what do you teach them? That they're beautiful. Um, I teach them to embrace their bodies. I mean, they see everything that I do now and they're so happy for me. And my son is 16 and I say to him, you know, you can be confident. Like, And I teach him about confidence and and all of that now. And 
And he's like, okay, mum, yes, it's fine, I've got it. Because <laughs> you know? I want to make sure that they're not feeling how I felt because being, being in that, that body that I was in and feeling so bad about myself and feeling like I was the only person in this world, I don't want anyone to go through that. And Sylvia, what would you say your fear has taught you? I can do anything. <laughs> I mean, that that was probably, like, like I said to you, I had two fears, and that was talking in front of an audience and and the water. Um, and and just not to, to, like, let it eat away at you, because I think we do that. Like, if we, we're not, if we feel, like, really negative about something, we would just constantly beat ourselves up about it rather than, just trying to like channel that energy somewhere else and say, actually, you know, you you can do this, you know. Be just be more positive, more focused, and things can happen. Like good things can happen. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, mean look with, at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with you, you know, your fear of water, and then you go and swim the Bosphorus, your fear of speaking to an audience, and now you speak to the government, you know, it's well, governments, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty amazing and inspiring, Sylvia. So I'm so happy you're you're here today. And I finish with three questions. Number one, where do you go when you are feeling fearful? To my bedroom. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) I think just because it's always been, um, it's always been my safe place. And it was, it was a time that, you know, like I said to you, I had a lot of nightmares and a lot of things happened in the bedroom <laughs> with the bed wetting and all of that. So um, I used to just put myself in the bed, cover over my head. And um, yeah, and even, you know, like in lockdown, I, you know, I was fearful quite quite a bit with lockdown. And so I, I was kind of like creeping back into that that place. And, and so sometimes comfort yeah. of my bedroom how did you respond to lockdown um yeah with lockdown I what I did I tried to because I'm I'm so used to going out and creating photo shoots and going out and meeting loads of people um I found it really difficult at first and what I did I tried to create what other people were creating which were things like little um sort of like yoga exercises and and trying to (laughs) encourage other people to do yoga and uh, (laughs) I remember doing like children's storytelling and I was just trying all this stuff and it was so like it was good but then at the same time I thought you know what are you doing like you need to like perhaps think about how to do more things online um so then I just started creating like I started to do insta lives which I thought was really really good to do because then you you know you get in connection with another person and people can hear their stories and what they do and just encourage them through that. And um, so that was something. And and also I was I, I was like creating loads of pictures of myself, um, just like having fun with my body and just saying, hey, this is me, you know. Yeah. Um, so but instead of, of real life, it's on Zoom. It's on yeah yeah technology. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of amazing that now that's, that's that's the kind of norm in a way. <laughs> yeah, because it changed a lot of people's lives positively as well. 
lockdown, I guess, like especially online. Um, and then I, I remember like just waking up one day and thinking, oh, I, I just don't want to, I just don't want to do anything. Um, and then I think it was like a couple of days later, I woke up and I was like, no, get up, do this now. <laughs> yeah. This isn't you, you know, and, and it's just about talking to yourself and letting yourself know that you can you can do it, you know, mm. and just carry on. And what is the song or piece of music that you would turn to? Oh, uh, do you know what? There's a couple of songs that, that I would turn to. Like one of them is I'm a survivor. Oh yes. <laughs> Did you listen to that before you swam? Uh, yeah. The forest. Yeah. I imagine I can do this. Yeah. That is a great um, one. And um this is me. You know the song? Oh from, yeah. Yeah, from the kind of musical. Yeah, this is me. What's, oh, is that from um, the, sh- the Showman? Yeah, The Showman, yeah, absolutely. Showman. Love that. <laughs> and Sylvia, what would you do if you were not afraid? My last question. If I was not afraid. Um, change the world for everyone to, to normalise um, every body normalize every body good one (laughs) so there's diversity and inclusion of everybody in the world (laughs) yeah that's lovely I would love that too one day yeah all the work that you're doing Sylvia (laughs) and it's getting better isn't it I mean it is it is it is a little bit yeah yeah Sylvia, what are you doing at the moment and where can people find you? Well, I've got a film film out which is um, called Extra- Extraordinary People, which is actually on the film circuits at the moment. And, it, and it's got some awards, I must say, so I'm quite happy with that. Um, there is a beautiful portrait of me hanging, an oil painting hanging in, I've got to say this right because um, my cockney sometimes seeps in and then <laughs> I'll get the words wrong. So the Mall Galleries in London, right. um, there is a full length oil painting, semi-nude of me. Um, I'd love people to go along and just see it. There's lots of other paintings in there, but um yeah, it, it was just such an amazing project. And I'm so proud that there's a painting of somebody with disfigurement on their body hanging in the Mall Gallery. So it's a really amazing, amazing project. Um, I'm still doing loads of fun stuff, like photo shoots, lots of stuff online. But, um, yeah, they can find me on my website. There's a contact on there, which is lovedisfigure.com. Mm-hmm. Um, or Instagram, lots of fun pictures. Uh, yeah, Instagram is great, everyone. Sylvia, yes, I follow you. It. I follow Love Disfigure and it's it's fantastic. Sylvia, thank you so much for coming on Fear Itself. This has been oh, a real joy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for listening to Fear Itself. And I hope it was as interesting and as useful to you as it was for me. It would mean the world to me if you could rate and subscribe and maybe even share it with a friend so that other people can hear about us. Join me next week where I will be speaking to another wonderfully inspiring guest. Until then, take care.